0: Every beginner in the practice of meditation does exactly what you're doing. But you said that you could see that and do it when I was unwholesome. And so congratulations for that issue of timing in the sense that, uh, oh, now that I do remember, I should have remembered earlier. <laughs> Okay. and that basically what we're actually looking at is the residue feeling from the, from the immediate preceding thought moment. So one of the things that we can do when we see those kinds of thoughts is uh, like, oh, I wish I had done this sooner or I should have been doing this more often, or I should be doing it better, or any criticisms that you have of Anapanasati and the practice of what you're doing right now, that's actually an indication that the mind is already in that critical state, that criticism state. And so you can back up one mind moment to see what was it that you were being critical of. What was it that was going on in your mind immediately before you woke up? This is part of the investigation it's to figure out now that I've busted myself for not practicing Anapanasati uh, correctly, when in fact that bussing is not practicing Anapanasati correctly, but rather if we bring on that congratulation. And so looking for the congratulation of all I can see that dirt. Okay.
1: Imagine that you were a dishwasher.
0: And you're looking down and you're seeing the dish. As you're washing and you see a particularly stubborn spot. Do you feel like a failure as a dishwasher? Or do you just put a little extra elbow grease on that spot and rub it right out and say, "Got ya." So
1: why can't we do that with the mind? That's the way to
0: begin to look. uh, Most people are already in a critical mind state. So that we're criticizing things as they occur. So when we wake up, the waking up process needs to also... The waking, the real waking up is coming out of the critical mind into the nurturing mind. All right. And in that regard, like the dishwash, aha, I see one more spot. That in fact, as we're putting the dish away, we give it another inspection just to make, in other words, we're actually now actively wanting to look and find the dirt. So that we can deal with it as opposed to not wanting to that, uh, not wanting to see more dirt on it that we think that we did the job and then it's not done and so and, and instead of saying hey I, I'm really glad that I caught that it wasn't done yet and so that I can clean a little bit more and get it just like I want it. okay so we can apply that attitude to our uh, practice in this also in the senses, what a relief I caught that. I caught that I woke up just enough to continue being critical rather, and seeing that I'm critical rather than waking up enough to change it all the way from the critical mind into the nurturing mind. Or another way of talking about it. And this may be a slightly different perspective: is that our society is built upon punishment for wrongdoing. Sometimes the punishment really big, like hell, like losing your medical license, like getting sued. I mean, there's all kinds of really great big punishments that they that uh, that they go around with. And prison is a really common example of that. And so in in the Buddhist model, and I was really, really happy and surprised to figure this out, that it's right there in plain sight if you really know how to look. It's that we actually are not looking for punishment for wrongdoing anymore. We're looking for rehabilitation. In that regard, you don't want to punish that plate. Imagine that when you're washing the dishes and you think you got it clean and you look down and you see that little piece of gunk, you're angry at the plate and you break it. We don't do it that way, do we? No. Instead, we nourish the plate. We go ahead and do a little bit more cleaning on it. And we're very happy to get it done. So why is it that we find a little dirt on the mind? We want to break the darn thing. We want to shout at it. We want to criticize it. (laughs) And so this is actually the new practice that we have to go for is to wake up enough to come out of that critical mind And after we're out of the critical mind, into the nurturing mind, then we can go back with that nurturing, back to the critical thoughts that we were having. Find out what was that, that put me in a critical mind state. Because, let's say it in a kind of a strange way, even though we're practicing sati to remember to come into the here now. And that we use various things like that in the sense of taking the deep breath is an anchor into the here now. You can't take last month's breath. You can't go back and take your first one or your last one right now. You can only take the one that you're having right now, right now. That's so uh, taking that long, deep breath, mindfully. Is an anchor for being in the present moment. But there's other anchors also. In fact, five out of the six senses are anchors. And in fact, when we talk about taking the long, deep breath, we're actually talking about the sensations that occur, the touch of the breath as we're taking it. That we're making a change to the way that we're moving the lungs up and down. We're making a change to the way that the diaphragm operates. And then it goes back to normal. And then we go back into our normal thinking pattern. And we're not thinking about the breath. Isn't the human body marvelous enough? So that it's got an automatic fallback mechanism for breathing. That we don't have to take every breath consciously. Otherwise, most of us would die in our sleep or die when we're surprised. (laughs) (laughs) That there's some mechanism in there. But that mechanism also, we can get in touch with that as a sensation or a feeling. That whenever you stop breathing there will come sensations of the body telling you to take another breath. And sometimes we can fight and resist that Mm -hmm. if we want to hold our breath. And many times we give into it kind of subconsciously without recognizing that it is there. And so a lot of the practice of meditation is to become aware of the things that are happening right here, right now, that we weren't paying attention to when we were in the critical mind state. And in fact, the Buddha talks about it in the sense of six. Six six sensory input states. Aside from the ones that are physically obvious, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, and the body sensation, those five, we also have the mind, except for one thing, and that is the mind itself rarely, if ever, takes any new data in. It always is just processing old junk. That's his input method. The other senses take new data in, and that new data is the here now new data. And in that regard, we have now five anchors to bring us into the here now. Our eyes can bring us into the here now. We see a flash. Our ears bring us into the present moment. We hear a bang. We hear something drop on the floor. We wake up, we come out of that mind state. Somebody rubs into us when we're on the subway or something that brings us back into the present moment. Most of the people on that uh, uh, subway car are not in the present moment. They're not in the subway car. They're in their minds thinking about something. But if they get bushed against or touched or whatever, the senses will come back into play. And yet those people who were standing there in the, uh, the subway thinking about things could also feel the weight of the clothing, and the the sensations of the breathing, but we don't. We just kind of ignore so much of our sensory input. We started ignoring it when we were really little because a little tiny infant baby has way too much sensory input, (laughs) and they tell you all about it. <laughs> and so slowly as, children, <laughs> slowly as children, we stop paying attention to our sensory input and only pay attention to it in certain cases and in certain ways. But by and large, we're no longer in the moment, which means being in the moment means taking input from the here now rather than processing old data. So a question for you, when you wake up mindfully to take a new breath and to change the mind from unwholesome to wholesome, and then that thought comes, I should have done this before. Is that thought in the present moment or is it too in the past? Well, it's in the past too, because I'm reflecting back on something that I think that happened. So, in fact, we haven't really woken up into the present moment yet at all, have we? (laughs) Yeah, just for a moment, and then I went back to sleep. Right, exactly. And so that means then that that Satya is a skill to be developed. And we need to continue to develop it as a skill uh, rather than coming to the piano and finding out where C is and playing C one time and then saying, Well, my practice is finished. Now I'm a musician. (laughs) No, we have to keep doing it over and over again. And as we do it over and over again, we begin to build skills. You'd be surprised what a real good musician can do with just the note C. And so, uh, including adding it with other notes. Um, So... uh, the whole idea, then, is just to really come into the here now fully. I've got a little example of that. What happens the first thing when you wake up? Let us say waking up in the morning. What's the very first thing that happens?
1: Very first thing. Probably a thought
0: of some kind. Well, how about the very first thing that happens is, is that you're aware that you're aware. The consciousness. Mm-hmm. Comes oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And generally that consciousness is of something physical input. Mm-hmm. You become aware. You slide with your head across the pillow and then all of a sudden you become aware of that. Right, so we become aware of some sensory input. Now, many people would say the first thing that happens when I wake up is I get out of bed. No. <laughs> Sometimes we have to take off the covers. Sometimes, you know, there's all kinds of movements that need to be done. Small little movements to get out of the bed. So we can think of sati like that also. In other words, there's a tiny little bit of sati, which is just aware that we're aware. Like that, we we can now we can wake up enough just to see the kind of thoughts that we're having in the present moment. But if we're practicing strongly, so that we're getting strong sati, then we'll wake up actually enough to get out of to get out of the bed. So in fact, there's two kind of waking up. One's the waking up to be become aware that you are no longer asleep, or aware that you're aware, or aware of, or aware of some sensation. It might be a sound, it might be a light, it might be somebody throwing water in your face, and then there's going to be a whole lot of brand new sensations. <laughs> Most of them are pretty cool. <laughs> and so uh, that sensory input that we get is not enough to actually get up out of the bed and yet look at it this way. Have you ever been to the military? Have you ever been in boot camp? Mm, yeah, well, not the full, whole thing, but uh, med students okay. also right. have so to go for a few weeks. Yeah. At, at least on occasion, maybe every other day or something like that, the drill instructor, the DI will come Barging into the room five minutes before 6 a.m., banging his way in with his baton, and expecting every recruit to jump right out of bed and stand at attention beside their bed or in front of it, depending on where the locker is. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. That's the kind of sati that we're starting to develop. Is that as soon as you get that sensory input, the banging of the baton, We get up. Very few recruits will let will roll over in bed and take another five winks when that DI comes in and bangs at the top, right? Wakey wakey. All right. So this is the kind of idea or the that we're going to have with the practice of Anapanasati. Is that feeling of I'm really going to wake up? And then Understanding of the attention would be to begin to have the nurturing thoughts, begin to take those deep breaths, to come out of the bed rather than the kind of thoughts that you were talking about is, is that, oh, I should have done this sooner or oh, all this, that, and the other thing would be like the recruit, laying in bed when the DI comes in. Not a good idea. (laughs) And so you'll hear me from time to time in old videos or when I'm talking to the students, I use the phrase wakey-wakey. Kind of, let's wake up. Let's come out of it. Let's not crawl slowly out of it. Let's hop to it. That's the the kind of attitude that, that we want. Going back to the issue of washing the dishes, that if after you wash the dish and then you rub your hand over and feel something or you see it with your eye, the, the, the dirty spot is still there, do we just go to that point of, oh, no, I should have washed that dot earlier. I should have got it before now. No, we don't kind of do that. We go ahead and hop to it and wash that plate. And so here's a kind of interesting little point about that. Since we are quite capable of hopping out of bed with the noise, and since we're quite capable of continuing to clean a plate until it's clean, why is it the beginning meditator goes into this state of poor me when they see dirt on the plate? The answer is is they don't see themselves as the dishwasher. They see themselves as the plate. I am still dirty. This is
1: my mind. This is my dirt. That's true. It's,
0: yes, that's the selfishness that comes into play. That's the real trick is can we come out of I am uh, the dish into...
1: Let's clean that spot. Let's have a go at it.
0: Let's do this in a nurturing way rather than criticizing. Thou shalt not have dirty spots, plate. Right? I just cleaned you. <laughs> and you know that. That phrase, thou shalt not have dirty spots, is actually learned behavior. That we as really little children pick that stuff up. We pick it up from the adults. We picked it up when they were kids, from their, the adults around them. This is what a Freud would call the parent ego state. That doesn't come into play when we're cleaning that dish. But when we become the dish, that's when the superego or the parent ego state comes in with, you're not supposed to be dirty. And this is the whole key right here. This point is the key to the correct practice of meditation and why so many students don't do it is they continue with the critical mind. Mm -hmm. They can't come out of that super ego punishing the child, which then gives the feelings of, oh, poor me, I should have done it before. I should not be dirty. I should be clean. You know, that's the kind of victim state that we get into because we are actually from one ego state enforcing the rules on the other and criticizing and punishing. Rather than rehabilitate it. Why will we rehabilitate the plate? Right? We will rehabilitate the plate because we're not the plate. But we will not rehabilitate the mind. We punish the mind because the mind is me.
1: And we get into these dialogues when we're kids. By the way, this is the
0: whole... Behind Eric Byrne in transactional analysis. I think we've spoken a little mm-hmm. bit about Yeah, that. yeah. Right. So basically, what he started with was.